Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Thank you for uh, being with us. God is good. Come on, I know old school Christians. Let's do it. God is good. And all the time. If you just became a Christian, that's like the easiest thing to learn right there. It's like, it's like a password. It's how you get Chick-fil-A to open up on Sundays. You go through the drive-thru and you go, God is good. And somebody's like, password received. Chicken sandwich waiting in the exit. <laughs> somebody's going to try it. I know you're going to try it. Amen. Well, are you ready to get into the word of God today? I am. I've got a lot to say. I wasn't here last Sunday. Uh, we had the joy of listening to Pastor Joey bring the word. Did you enjoy Pastor Joey? I did. I want to honor him. Thank you, Pastor Joey. But those Sundays, I don't get to speak. It's like it piles up for the next week. So got a lot of my heart I'd like to share with you. I think it's going to encourage you. If you have a Bible, you can open up to the book of Judges. This is what this part of the service is, by the way. When we preach, we're, we're preaching God's word. What does that mean? That means that God has a word for you. I know it seems weird that uh, 700 people could be in a room and how could God have a word specific for me? But I see it every time in the lobby when the service is over, 20 different people from 20 different backgrounds. God spoke to me today, to me today, to me today. So regardless of who you're sitting with, behind, or in front of, God has got a specific word for you today. And I think it's going to encourage you, challenge you, and transform you. I want to give you some context. Uh, Raise your hand if you have ever heard the story of Samson before in your life. Great, cool. So then there's a lot of people who know who he is. For those who don't, I want to give you just a quick background. Samson is a deliverer. He is a judge. That's why the book is called the Book of Judges. And a judge is not today what you think it would be back then. A judge back then, not only did they help make decisions and arbitrate, but they also were warriors and they also were deliverers. And right now he is in the process of delivering the Israelites, those are the people of God, from the Philistines. And unfortunately, the people who he's trying to deliver, his brothers and sisters, the Israelites, they don't want to be free. Like I preached about a couple weeks ago, some people are more comfortable in bondage than they are being free. And so they kind of just wanted to stay where they were. And when Samson did it, they got upset with him. So they bound him up and turned him over to the enemy. I wonder if you've ever been hurt by someone you've tried to help. You ever been there in life? I'm just trying to encourage you. I'm just trying to strengthen you. I'm just trying to be honest with you, you know, but they don't want it. You know, they, they don't want it. They, they prefer to stay where they are. And this is kind of where we enter into the story. Samson has been bound up by his kinsmen, by his family, his relatives, and he has been surrendered, turned over to the Philistines. They were a thousand men uh, fighting now, a thousand men who have come to take hold of Samson. <clears throat> Judges 15, 14 is where we enter into the story. At Samson, Approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. If you don't know Samson's story, Samson had like the Marvel superpower of like the Hulk, okay? Like he would be Bruce Banner regularly, but whenever something happened that was crazy, this power would come on him and super strength would come on him. So the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and the ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Verse 15 finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. He grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. Let's go, Samson, spitting bars right there. Come on. should put that on your next album, Tommy, right there. With the donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand 
men. Verse 17, and when he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath Lehi, which means jawbone hill. Uh, two things impressed me about Samson's feet, and one does not. The first thing that impresses me about Samson's story is that he defeated a 1,000 men single-handedly. And that impresses me because in battle, the victorious side is usually the side with the most people. This is why cavemen formed tribes. This is why criminals formed gangs. And this is why, most notoriously of all, middle schoolers have formed cliques. Because there is power and safety in numbers. What I love about the story is in response to the shout of the Philistines, that was them letting Samson know, you are outnumbered, Samson. We have more people than you. The Bible says that in direct response to the shouts of the Philistines, the spirit of the Lord came on Samson, almost as if to respond to the shouts of the Philistines. No, 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 no. There are not more that are with you. There are more that are with me than are with you. I'm trying to tell you that in life sometimes, you may feel overwhelmed, but even when you are overwhelmed, you are not outnumbered. I'm talking to anybody who's got more problems in their life than they've got solutions, got more pain than they got purpose, got more hurt than they've got hope. Whatever in your life has come against you, when the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson and Samson was able to defeat them, he was sending a message to every generation who would put their faith in God after Samson that you plus me equals a majority. I did hand movements and everything for it, so you could get it. You, 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 a majority. And so, so that, that, that does impress me. What does not impress me is the weapon of choice, the jawbone of a donkey. The jawbone of a donkey is actually a formidable weapon. Um, and I have a picture of it here to show you so that you can uh, understand and grasp it. So uh, all, first off, this is the jawbone of a donkey. And uh, a little known fact about the jawbone of a donkey, or rather the teeth of a donkey, unlike human teeth, the teeth of a donkey never stop growing. As an adult, when our teeth hit their latest stage or their last stage, they stop. But because donkeys chew a lot, um, God created their teeth in a way where they keep growing. As a result, the teeth of a donkey over time become very sharp. So now you've got a weapon that's super sharp. Also, at the bottom, you can tell there's a place to hold it, the little space in between the front teeth and the back teeth. That became a perfect handle. And then if you go to the top, you can see how the back of the mandible almost forms a perfect club for hitting. On top of that, uh, also a little known fact, bone, people don't know this, but bone, ounce for ounce, is four times stronger than steel. And then on top of that, what a lot of people would do for the weapon is that they would split the jawbone in half so that it can go from a single-handed weapon to a two-handed weapon so it would look a lot like this girl right here. That lady's having fun. That was Samson right there. One jawbone on the other hand, one jawbone on the other hand, just pulling out a Thor, throwing it, summoning it back, you know what I'm saying? Just, ah, just going crazy. And it, was a, it was a powerful weapon, which is why it does not impress me that he used a jawbone to defeat the Philistines. Now, off to the last thing. What does impress me is that after Samson uses said jawbone to defeat said Philistines, he throws away the jawbone, which, if I'm going to just keep it 100 with you, I would not have done that. I would have done one of two things with the jawbone. First thing I would have done with the jawbones, framed them. <laughs> right? 
you put it, as soon as you open the door of your house, you put it right there in the entryway. So that when people come to visit you, they'd be like, oh, that's strange. Why do you have jawbones hanging? And you go, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. <laughs> ah, I was crazy. You have no idea. Right? Even, not even for selfish reasons, but even to like stir my faith, right? To look at it and be like, yeah, yeah, I had to kill a thousand people. Yeah, you know, but he didn't do it. Threw it away. Second thing I would have done with it, if not turned it into a trophy, I would have put it on my tool belt. Because you just never know if the Philistines come back. So I'm going to just... You want some of this? Don't come for me. Right? Because obviously, this weapon is anointed. Obviously, this weapon is strong. Obviously, this weapon is powerful. And if it helped me defeat the enemy last time, it could help me defeat the enemy next time. So I'm going to hold on to it just in case somebody wants something. Let come get some. <laughs> oh, but not Samson. Samson throws them away. I don't get it. Unless Samson threw them away because he knew not to confuse the resource with the source. Unless Samson said, I'm not here to learn a lesson from the tool. I'm here to learn a lesson from the teacher. Yeah. Un unless he said, I'm not going to be grateful for the gift. I'm going to be grateful for the giver. Unless he decided, this, I'm not going to worship a weapon. Instead, I'm going to worship the one who made a way. Unless maybe he decided, I'm not going to focus on what God uses, but I'm going to allow what God uses to shift my focus on who God is. I think it's because Samson knew for all that it accomplished and for all the good that it served at the end of the day, and this is the title of my message, it's just a jawbone. Yeah, I don't expect a big response now because it don't make sense. But at the end of the sermon, you're going to be like, it's just a jawbone, Lord. It's just a jawbone. It's just uh, jawbone. And the best way to illustrate what I mean when I'm referencing a jawbone is by referencing the global crisis we all faced this past week. And no, I am not referring to the COVID-19 pandemic. And no, I am not referring to the U.S. debt limit almost being hit and having to default on all these people being out. Of nope, I'm talking about what really hit home. The six hours Facebook was down this past week. And Instagram was down. It devastated us all. It was a global crowd all over the world. The memes online were hilarious about this. I don't know if you saw any of them. They were all on Twitter because, well, <laughs> they were on Twitter. So, so also, Facebook doesn't just do you know, Instagram, WhatsApp. It also does Oculus. A lot of people don't know Oculus. This is the virtual reality arm of Facebook. This first tweet recognizes the seriousness of that. Can you put it on the screen? People making jokes about the Facebook services going down make me sick. Anyone who was using an Oculus headset at the time is currently trapped in VR. And if they die there, they die in real life. Time. <laughs> This next person uses WhatsApp a lot to communicate, and now that they don't have WhatsApp, they have to go old school to message their friends, and so. Um, heading down to my bunker with the only thing still working. Come on, that good old Nokia. Let's go. 
I don't need the Facebook games. I got snake. Come on, somebody. I got snake. Gen Z has no idea what we're talking about right now. This last one is a real tweet, y'all. This is from the Palm Beach Sheriff's Department here in Florida, Palm Beach. Yes, Instagram and Facebook are down. No, this is not a good reason to call 911. People were calling 911 because Facebook and Instagram were down. It was a little funny to see how stressed people were when social media went down for six hours this week all over the world. But what's not funny is how it really affected people's lives. Like there were businesses that sell their product exclusively through Facebook who could not do business for that time. There were customers who not could, communicate, could not communicate with businesses. Because of the virtual school innovation, there were parents who could not communicate with teachers and teachers who could not communicate with parents because WhatsApp has become one of the most uh, kind of utilized avenues for that relationship. There were uh, people who now bank completely through their phone who could not access their Venmo account because they use Facebook to lock into their Venmo. So when Facebook down, they couldn't use it to log in. It really affected people, and I think it goes to show just how over-dependent we had become on this one aspect of technology. But this is not a message anti-Facebook. I'm just saying it was a revelation for me, and it should be a revelation for you when you realize that the thing you're holding in your hands is actually holding you, which is the definition of a jawbone. Here is what a jawbone is, because we, we often hear about the bad things in church, but I want to preach to you about the good things. Here's a jawbone. It's good to have, but bad to hold on to. Oof. I, I know you hear sermons on the bad things and the drinking and the sex before marriage, but I wanted to preach to you about the good things, the good things in life that are good to have, but bad to hold on to. So let me ask you today, what in your life is good that you have, but is bad if you hold on to you? I think one of those things can be your career. Like, let me just tell you right now, career is good to have. Like, right after having a relationship with G-O-D, you need to have one with a J-O-B. You know what I'm saying? Like, that needs to work together, you know? So, so I, I'm glad that you have it. It's good to have a career. Hear me. It's not good to hold on to one, though. My dad, when he grew up, he wanted to be a carpenter. And that's how much he loved Jesus, y'all. <laughs> so I want to live just like him. I'm going to make tables, you know? I said, why don't you become a carpenter? He said, the moment I graduated school, all of the manufacturing for wooden products transitioned to factories. So they didn't need carpenters anymore. That was my whole dream. I said, so what'd you do next? He said, I became a corrections officer for the New York City Police Department. I said, that's awesome. I said, why don't you do that anymore? They said, well, it happened when you was a kid. You don't really know. But one day I was leaving the police station. And I got hit by a truck. He said, I couldn't work anymore. I said, okay, lesson received. Do not hold on to your career. Because in a second... You are just one company merger away. You are just one innovation away from your industry being useless. It's good to have a career, but it's not good to hold on to it. A degree is good to have. I got a lot of degrees. I'm not bragging. I'm saying I got a lot of them, but it took me a while to get there. Don't hold on to them. I changed my major 10 times before I found out what I wanted to study. I'm still paying. You know what I'm saying? It's like, just kidding. We paid it all off, but you know what I mean? And then most people, when they get a degree, don't even get a job in the thing they got a degree in. So it's good to have a degree, but it's not good to hold on to it because it might not open the doors that you're thinking of. For some people, it's not something tangible like a career or a degree. For others, we're holding on to something intangible like a memory. Sometimes we can get so stuck to a memory that it keeps us from moving forward in life. You know what's interesting is that Samson's victory here was his first victory of many. It was his first victory as a judge officially 
of Israel. He would go on to do many more battles and many more exploits. But could you imagine if he had framed those jawbones and he said, you know what? I don't need to fight any more battles. Look what God already did in my life. Like, that's enough. Can you imagine? I guess I can phrase the question this way. What memory are you holding on to that is keeping you from moving on to? Thinking that the greatest days of your life are behind you when God is like, that was just the first of many I wanted to do. Don't get stuck in a memory. For some people, it's a dream. I know you've never heard this in church before, but you need to hear it. A dream is good to have, but it's bad to hold on to because your dream might not come true. And then what happens? For some people, it's an athletic gift. If it's an athletic gift, you're a good football player, a good basketball player, that's awesome, but you are one hit below the knees away from having that whole thing collapse underneath you. For others, it's a person. But when it comes to people, you are just one phone call away. You were just one car accident away. You were just one diagnosis away from having that person fall underneath you. I need to ask you, what are you holding on to? Listen to me, because if the thing you're holding on to breaks, you break with it. You break with it, no matter how strong you think it is, because it's a bone. And bones, here's my first point, and bones break. Bones break. Going back to my Facebook example, I looked up exactly what happened that made Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, all that go out. I found this on their website. This is straight from the Facebook website. Put it on the screen. Our engineering teams have learned that configuration changes on the back, on the back, bone. Routers. That is exactly what it sounds like. It's the router that helps send all of the signals to and fro Facebook all over the world on the backbone routers that coordinate network traffic between our data centers caused issues that interrupted this communication, Facebook engineering. You know, sometimes I get mad at Jason. Where's Jason? He's right there. Raise your hand, Jason. Jason is our executive director of programming. Keep it high so everybody can see. Sometimes I, get, sometimes I get mad at him because he's in charge of all of the programming here, which means all the tech stuff. And sometimes stuff goes wrong. Like last service, my mic went out while I was preaching, like in the heat of it. So we're going to have a conversation about that later. <laughs> we're going to have a conversation about that But then, Jason, I heard that Facebook with its billions of dollars and its 53,000 employees. Listen, if it can break on Facebook with all of their money, manpower, and resources, it can break on Journey Church with our little budget and our 50 volunteers. Right? But still fix it. But it can break. And so here's my point. If it breaks, if Facebook's bone breaks, and it's got all the resources and all the support, then it, just show, it doesn't matter how strong you think something is. Over time, it will break. This was the message in Judges 15, 15. We read it too fast. We missed it. Judges 15, 15. Finding a what jawbone? A fresh jawbone. The reason why that's important is because if it was an old jawbone, it would have been depleted of its calcium. So if Samson had hit the first bad guy with, the bone, with a bone that was old because it was brittle, it would have broke on impact. So fresh there is not just an adjective. It's not a coincidence. It's there to let you know this was a strong jawbone because everything over time, if you use it enough, will break. I wrote it like this. Don't hold on to anything too tightly in this world because everything you're holding on to is breaking. Welcome to Journey Church, where we encourage you. 
Amen. Hey, and I'm going to encourage you in a little bit, but it's about to get worse before it gets better. The moment you save up for a house, you better save up for repairs. Because the moment you buy it, it, it breaking. I bought two houses in my whole life. I don't have two right now. We sold one to get the other. Your boy ain't rich like that, but I, I had, or at all. But first house we bought, in the first year that we had it, the AC broke. I thought saving up for a house was hard. You know how much it costs to repair an air conditioner? I'm going to just live in that. <laughs> sold that house, bought a second house. In the first year of owning that second house, guess what broke in the first year? Devil is a liar. The air conditioner. I said, God does not want me to go to hell, and this is why he's doing this, to remind me of the flames of eternity. This is what he's up to. I get it, Lord. I get it. Please fix the air conditioner in Jesus' name. Never laid hands on an appliance before, but I did that day. Money. A lot of people put their trust in money. Did you know that money is breaking in your very hands? 50 years ago, Disney World opened. We're in the 50th anniversary of it. Do you know how much a ticket to Disney World was 50 years ago? $3.50 on opening day. $3.50 on opening day. Do you know how we pay so much now? A little thing called inflation. Now, I'm not an economist, and I don't pretend to know all about the invisible hand and the buying and the selling, but here's what I know about inflation. The value of a dollar decreases over time. Can I put it into a way that is relevant to this sermon? Money is literally breaking in your hands. Its value is breaking. I'll tell you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That person you're sitting next to, that relationship, that one that you're so in love with, that relationship is breaking right now. <laughs> Somebody's holding on tight saying, not us, no, Lord. In Jesus' name. He's not, that's, not a, that's not a messenger of God, baby. It's from the pit of hell. Uh-uh. Listen to me. Listen, listen where I'm going with this. If there's one strength in my life, it's not my prayer life. It's not my fasting. It's not my preaching. I try and grow in all of those areas. But I would say the strongest area of my life is my marriage, and to God be the glory for that. But even my marriage is breaking. Not because of some tragedy. Not because I cussed her out or she slapped me. My marriage is breaking because every day that we stay together is one day closer to one of us dying. And on the day that one of us dies, our marriage, till death do us part. So, which brings me to my last point, your body. And, and I don't care how much kale you eat. <laughs> and I don't care how many minutes you spend in the sauna, how many vitamin Ds you pop. You could pop the whole alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, S, Y, pop, pop them all. Everybody in here, our body is breaking. <laughs> Somebody's like, please make this good soon. I'm really sad right now. I'm really depressed. I need help now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna please help. Let me help you. Are you ready? That's okay. That's okay. Why? Because it's just a jawbone. In other words, it served its purpose in my life when I needed it in the season that I needed it. But once that season is done, because I understand the role that it played, I can now release it in my life. Are you with me today? I wrote it like this. I wrote it like this. Listen, just because it doesn't last doesn't mean it can't have a lasting impact. 
Judges 15, 17. Let's read it again. We read it the first time. We read it too quickly. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath Lehi, which means what? So the bone was got, but his impact remained. Did that, that say it too quick? The, the bone was gone, but the impact of that bone remained. That mountain would never be the same again because of the role that that bone played in its life. Let me, let me make it a little more tangible, a little more practical. I know the marriage didn't last, but don't let the fact that the marriage didn't last steal your focus away from the kids that marriage birthed. It had an impact. It's still there. I know the job didn't last, but every time you see your kids walking around with them Nikes, you thank God that you had that job long enough to be able to put shoes on the feet of your children. You thank God for it. You be grateful for it. I know that friendship didn't last, but when that friendship comes to an end, you be grateful for the lessons that that friend in your life taught you for as long that they were in your life. And I know one day my body won't be there for me, but on that day, I'm going to look at Journey Church. And I'm going to see you worshiping. And I'm going to see not just you worshiping, I'm going to see your kids worshiping. And I'm going to see your grandkids worshiping. And on that day, right before I take my last breath, I'm going to say, thank you, God, but I'm going to say, thank you, body, for giving me the strength to plant a church. Thank you, strength. Thank you, energy, for letting me do. Thank you, mouth and tongue, for allowing me to preach the gospel. You did what you needed to do in my life. You served its purpose. Now, because you served your purpose, I can release it. I'm thankful for it when I needed it, but now that I don't need it no more. By the way, if God takes it, that just means you don't need it anymore. So you can take my body now, God. I did it. I ran the race. I'm thankful, Lord. As many of you know, my wife's sister passed away from COVID on Friday. It was a very traumatic moment for my family. Thank you for your condolences. Thank you for messaging us on social media and all those things. I really felt bad for her son. Christian, who was 17 years old, Lily, um, and she also has a 12-year-old, but Lily was my sister-in-law's name. Um, when she had Christian, she had her, and she was going through a lot in life. She had a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of struggles. So when she had Christian, she could not, she wasn't in the right space to be able to raise him, so she gave him up for adoption. My brother-in-law um, actually uh, took Christian in and adopted him and raised him as his own son. So. Uh, unbeknownst to Christian, two days before Lily passes away, none of us knew it was going to happen. It came out of nowhere. Two days before she passed away, he walked into the bedroom of my brother-in-law and said, hey, dad, um, I want to tell you something. She said, what's up? He said, I just want you to know I'm really grateful for Lily. He said, why do you say that? He goes, well, I know she wasn't there for me. I know she wasn't there to do the mom thing, to be there for the birthdays and to be there when I was a teenager and, and to go through all this. And, but you know what, dad? She gave me the greatest gift ever. He said, what's that? He said, she gave me life. I bet you everything inside of her was telling her to terminate this pregnancy when I was inside of her. She could have aborted me, Dad, but she gave me life. She chose to give me life, and I love her for that. In other words, I'm, and so at the funeral, when we were all there in front of her open casket, Christian was crying, but there was also peace. Because you could tell he was able to release her because he recognized you served the purpose in my life that you were supposed to serve, and I'm grateful for you. And because I understand what you were here in my life to do, now I can, now I can release you. Now I can release you. Why? Listen, write this down. Because every possession 
is a part of your purpose, but at the same time, it is apart from your purpose. What do I mean? I mean, if you have it, God's going to use it, but he can do it even without it. Are you with me? Apart from your purpose. This building is a great example of it. This building is always ministering to me. When I had kids, my young kids, they were always ministering to me. Like, I never forget the first time I cleaned my, my baby's diaper, you know, and I just, and, there, and then when I cleaned it, the next day he pooped again. And I just never forget. God spoke to me. He was like, That's you. I love you, even though every day you poop. I was like, Yes, Lord. You know, he ministered. And, I, and I, God speaks to me in metaphors and images. This building ought to be a great illustrative sermon for you, too, because every Sunday you come in here, it's easy to tell this building is not finished. But if you were here last Sunday, you would have known that it is more finished this Sunday than it was last Sunday. I'm just saying and ought to encourage you, I don't come to church because I'm finished. I come to church because this Sunday, I'm just a little more finished than I was last Sunday. And next Sunday, I'm going to be just a little more finished than I was this Sunday. I'm going to just keep coming until God finishes the work in my life that he started. But what really ministers to me about this building is that we don't know how long we'll be here. So people ask us all the time, this is an amazing facility, how did you get it? And the answer, of course, is God. But there's also some things behind it. We had to get real creative in the negotiations. The owner of this building plans to demolish it and had planned to demolish it, but didn't have the money to really do that. So he needed us to come in to be able to keep the lights on and pay for it with the intention of knocking it down. So we signed an up to six-year lease. And when he gets enough money, he plans to do that, to tear it down and to renovate it and to rebuild it. And we don't know when that, that can be six years from now, that can be eight years from now, 10 years from now. In order to get in, though, we had to write in a buyout clause, which means that 18 months after we first signed, which would be October of 2022, if he wanted to, he can activate the buyout clause and we would have to be out. So this time next year could be the last time in our building at the very earliest. So I, you know, I told our staff that, obviously, and our board when we decided to sign, and everybody was kind of freaked out afterwards because we love this place so much. And the growth that we've seen has been amazing. And we don't have to set up and tear down no more. Somebody say amen. I mean, that was powerful. Y'all saying amen, but y'all didn't even help in the set up and tear down back in the day. But for those who did, we know it was a lot. We don't have to. We can leave everything up and everything. And I just told my team, I'm not scared, y'all. Pastor, what happens if we don't get the building? I said, you guys are looking at it at a building. It's not a building. It's a jawbone. It's a jawbone. And if God could do it in this building, if he takes this building, He'll do it with whatever else we find laying around. You know how I can say that? Because we planted this church. In other words, I've seen him do it in a coffee shop. I've seen him do it in someone's back porch. I've seen him do it at Winter Park High School. I've seen him do it at Trinity Prep Auditorium. I've seen him do it in the middle of a pandemic when we had three cameras and seven people looking at me, preaching like hoping that somebody's on the other side of that screen. I'm just telling you, it's a jawbone. So if a year from now we got to give it up, I don't care. Give it up. Whatever we find on the ground lying around, we'll pick that up and God will anoint that too. And God will bring revival through that too. It's what he does because God can use anything. That's my second point. God can use anything. Anything. Write it down. God can use anything. Anything. Let me show you really quickly. God can use anything, even the little things, even the things that don't look significant. This, look like, this might look just like a rock to you. And you might not know what to do with this. You might do gardening with a rock. I don't know what you would do with a rock, but you put a rock in David's hands. And you could kill a giant with a rock. This is a tent peg. Some of y'all never been camping before in your life. That's okay. This might just look like a camping tool to you, but you put this tent peg in the hand of a woman named Jael. 
Oh, y'all don't know the story of Jael, but Jael was a female judge, a female deliverer that God used when Sisera, the evil commander of the Canaanite army, fell asleep in her tent. Jael grabbed a tent peg with a little rated R. While he was asleep, put the tent peg over Sisera's head, grabbed the hammer, and bashed the tent peg through Sisera's head, freeing the people of Israel. And I know that seems a little bit gory, but the point is not the gory. Why did she use a tent peg? Because it was what was around. It was what was there. God can use whatever's there. This might just look like a stick to you. And some of y'all might have some trauma looking at this stick because you're tired of mopping and sweeping and all of that. But you put a stick in the hands of Moses. And it can split a sea in half. It can turn the Nile into blood. It can stop the sun in its tracks. Because God can use anything. God can even use a trumpet. Come on, Dad, real quick. Come y'all with this. Y'all didn't know God used a trumpet to deliver the people. In the book of Judges, chapter 7, verse 2, you have another judge named Gideon. He's a deliverer. And Gideon is in the process of delivering his people from the hands of, of the Midianites. These are another people who came to take control of the land. And this is what God says. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, of, into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. This is why God will use anything and not the great things. Because if he uses the great things, then you'll give the great things credit for the victory when he gives you the victory. So instead, he says, I'm going to give you the any things, the little things, and we're going to do it with the little things. And you watch so that I can get the credit for it. So he had 30,000 men, and 30,000 men got brought down to 300 men. And when the 300 men went to fight, they couldn't fight, though. You know why they couldn't fight? Because they didn't have swords. You know why they didn't have swords? Because it was against the law to have any kind of weapon. Their oppressors had outlawed swords, shields, and spears. The people were not allowed to have weapons, so they just grabbed what was around. Judges chapter 7, verse 22, look what they grabbed. When the 300 trumpets sounded. Did he say, anybody got swords? No, then grab that trumpet. Why? Because the enemy can take away your weapon, but he can't take away your worship. Cannot take away your worship. So they grabbed the trumpet. Let me go quick. Let me get the. So he grabbed the trumpet, and the 300 men sounded the trumpet. And the Bible says, got a little lightheaded on that one right there. And when the, the Bible says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, put it on the screen, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their own swords. God said, you don't need swords. I'm going to use their swords against them. You just got what you got in your hand. Blow the trumpet. You know why? Because this is just the instrument. The instrument doesn't get the glory. It's whose hands this is in. In my hands, this just makes noise. That's it. But you put this in the hands of my dad. in my hands, it just makes noise. But in his hands, it makes music. You take what everyone throws out, you put it in God's hands. God can make music with what we make sound with. In other words, let me encourage you. God doesn't just know how to play a trumpet. He knows how to play a divorce. 
He knows how to play a breakup. He knows how to play a medical diagnosis. He knows how to, how to take noise, what other people would say is not wanting, and turn it into music, and turn it into ministry, and make it make sense in the end. Let me make it more practical, because it's not what's in your hands. It's whose hands it's in. You might think you need a PhD to be successful, and you can be successful with a PhD, but you put a GED in God's hands. And God can do more with a GED than you can do with a PhD. Because in God's hands, he turns it into something. You might think you need a six-pack to be sexy and get somebody in your life. But with God, listen, you have a six-pack in your hands, that's cool. But God can take a sense of humor and do more with a sense of humor than you can do with a six-pack. That's how I got Liz. Come on. It was in my six-pack. God said, what you got? I said, I'm funny. He said, boom. She said, hello. I said, hey, girl. And we made it happen. How? God used what I had. And something awesome, you might think you need a great parent to be a great parent. Right now, your wife is pregnant and you're freaking out. But I want to tell you that with God, he can take an abusive parent and make an awesome parent. That's why I have my dad here on stage still, because he had an abusive father, because his father tried to take his life many times. But God took an abusive parent and turned an awesome parent who made an awesome child. And now we're sitting in this awesome church because God took what you had, put his hand on it, and made something special with it. God can use anything. He can use anything. Hey, this is why I tithe. I'm waiting for the claps to end. This is why I tithe, because God can do more with my 90% than I can do with all of my 100%. So I'm going to give him the 10%. You take it or you can do more with it. And I know there's somebody here thinking, God, if you could just heal my uncle, if you could just heal my aunt, if you could just heal my dad, if you could just heal my husband and heal my wife, God, if you could heal them, then you could use them. I know you could use them, God, so heal them so you can use them, God. Heal them. But you have to understand, the only reason why Samson was able to use the jawbone of a donkey was because the donkey died. Had the donkey not died, there'd have been no jawbone. In other words, please catch this, even death in the hands of God is a weapon. Even death in the hands of God is a weapon. God can use anything. And while we're at it, for all those who say, well, I got nothing, amen. My last point is for you. God can use anything, and God can do it with nothing. All right, if you say to the Lord today, I got nothing, Lord. Pastor I got nothing, nothing. Cool. God can even do it with nothing. Nothing is a jawbone to God. Judges 15, 18 through 19. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Of your servant. Now, this is after the battle. So, so that, that, that first sentence makes sense. After killing a thousand people, I can use some water. Must I, now, must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? Verse 19, so God caused water to gush out of the hollow in the ground at Lehi. And Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place En-Hakor, which means the spring of the one who cried out. And it's still in Lehi to this day. So that's what En-Hakor means. But I want you to know what the word Maktesh means. Maktesh is the definition of the place where the water came out. So En-Hakor was what it was after the water. But before the water, it was Maktesh. And here's what Maktesh means. A hollowed, circular depression in a rock. 
a hollowed circular depression in Iraq. I need to, I need to see this. I need to exp- show you this. It was, this is what this is. This is a hollow circular depression in Iraq. And, 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 and Samson is there. And Samson is like, I got nothing. By the way, God, God needed him to be in that position. And, and what happened as Samson was pouring out his heart to God, God, I need you, God, I need you, this started to happen. Samson's looking over like, am I seeing things? Water starting to come out from the rock. Now, a geologist would tell you that it was actually an aquifer. We have many aquifers in Florida. Aquifer is a sedimentary rock that is saturated with water. And when the ground pressure of the water uh, gets too uh, strong, it breaks through the rock. So a geologist would tell you that that's what happened. That, 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 that the water pressure, and it built up. But a preacher would tell you different. A, a, a preacher would tell you that this isn't just a hole in the ground. A preacher would tell you where you see a hole, God sees a bowl. That's why he would tell you, because he likes to rhyme things. In other words, it takes emptiness to be filled. You see? You see, Samson messed up. Go to verse 16 again. Then Samson said, with the donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys out of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. So who's getting all the credit here? He is. Maybe he wasn't as sure as I said he was. Maybe he was like, with a donkey's jawbone, I, me, man, strong, God, kill a thousand men, yeah. And God said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, simmer down, Samson. (laughs) Dial it back. (laughs) It it, it wasn't you at all. It wasn't you at all. And and now now God's in a tough position. He's saying, Samson, I want to fill you, but I can't fill you because you're so full of yourself. So I'm going to have to take you through a desert. So now he goes through a desert where he cannot find water. Listen to me, the driest deserts always come after your greatest victories. Because if you just went from victory to victory to victory, you'd get too full of yourself. So God has to interplace deserts in between your victories to keep you humble enough to depend on the one who gives you the victory. So finally, after going through the desert for a long time, all empty, now look at verse 18. Now it's funny when you hear it in this context. Look at verse 18. Now Samson, he's been through the desert for a minute now. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord. My bad, bro. My fault. That's totally on me. It wasn't me at all. It wasn't even the jawbone. What did he say? What did he say? You have accomplished this great victory. You're the one that did it. You're the one that gives me life. And now that he's there, God does the miracle. Because even when you have nothing, you have something. When you have nothing, you see, you have desperation. And desperation unlocks God's miracles. When you get desperate for God, God pours himself out into your life. If you get desperate for him, but before you can get desperate for him and before he can fill you, you have to come to Maktesh. Do you remember? You have to come to a place called Maktesh. You have to come. Do you remember the definition of Maktesh? Put it back on the screen. You have to come to a place of. A hollowed circular depression. Do you know that the place of depression is also the place of desperation? And the only difference 
between depression and desperation is decision. What are you going to do with the emptiness in your heart? Are you going to hold on to your emptiness and complain about how empty your emptiness is? You can do that, but you'll be stuck at Maktesh till you die. Or you can let Maktesh turn into Enhakor. You can, let you can let depression turn into desperation. In other words, you can use the emptiness as motivation to get on your knees, put your emptiness before the Lord, and go, my God, I am empty, but you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Fill my cup, Lord. I am broken, but you are the Redeemer. Redeem my life, Lord. I have no strength, but you are my strength. Be my strength, Lord. I feel lonely. I feel empty. Nobody loves me, but I believe you love me. So you fill my cup. You fill my life, Jesus. You take my heart, everything that is in me. I come to you right now with all of it, and I say, you are God. The well of the one who cried out. Will you cry out today? Will you cry out today? Will you cry out today? I want to pray for you really quickly. I want everyone to stand, but let's stand real respectfully because I think we're going to do something special. And our eyes here as you stand, I want to